The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. It is time for Streetwise with former chief of the New York City Sheriff's Department, former chief of the Seagate Police Department, retired New York City detective, Time Warner Public Access Media Award, Joe Franklin Super Excellence in Broadcasting Memory Lane Award, New York Veteran Police Association Streetwise Production, host of Streetwise, Mr. Lou Tamano. Uh, good evening and welcome uh, back to Streetwise. You know, my guest will be on the show in about uh, 20 minutes, but anything I discuss or talk about uh, prior to her coming on the show has nothing to do with her. i got to make that clear. This is more, all for me, your host, Lou Solano, not for my guest, who is Dr. Susan Shumsky, who's going to come on. She is, by the way, uh, a Hindu She's not a Hindu, but she did go to India about 22 years, and she was with the Maharaji for about that long uh, under the, his guidance. And by the way, she was there with the Beatles. And uh, we're going to talk about that, uh, how, uh, how meditation and the uh, Hinduism technique can affect you mentally, physically, spiritually. And she has a great book coming out. It's called the Maharashi and Me. Uh, the Maharashi, by the way, was uh, the uh, most the spiritual, that's what they say, uh, leader of the uh, 20th century. So she'll be on in about uh, 20 minutes, and that's Dr. Susan Shumsky. Uh, but, all right, anyway, so I want to talk about some, uh, some things. Uh, first of all, a public service announcement. I, I can't believe it's uh, four years already that uh, Officer Wenjen uh, Liu and Rafael Ramos were assassinated in their police car. Uh, they were, had a detail at Tompkins Housing Projects in, in uh, Brooklyn. And uh, there's, uh, I guess you call it a celebration. Uh, you know, you can. If, you, if you're a Christian, you call it a celebration. Uh, but they're honoring these two police officers who were promoted to detective, which they do now. If you die in the uh, or get killed in the line of duty, the event will be Saturday, the 15th, at the 79 Precinct in Brooklyn at uh, 10 a.m. What they're all also going to have there, they're going to have uh, games for the kids. Uh, they're going to have some food for the people that attend. Several of the uh, line organizations and the police department are, are sponsoring sponsoring this event. It's paying tribute to uh, detectives um, Wenjen Liu and Rafael Ramos, who was assassinated. Uh, again, it's uh, it's hard to believe uh, four years ago. It, 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 I'm going to give you a contact number if you want any further information. But it's going to be at the uh, 7-9 Prison, which is Marcy Avenue and Nostrand Avenue in Brooklyn. Very familiar with that neighborhood. Uh, so, but if you need any additional, I'm going to give you a number. So I want to give you a minute to get a pen or pencil. I'm just going to repeat, Marcy and Ocean Avenue in Brooklyn, 7-9 Precinct. Tribute to the two police officers that were assassinated, ambushed, murdered in a patrol car on a special detail at Tompkins Houses in Brooklyn. The contact phone number is... 646 610 8166. 
646-610-8166. Let me repeat that, 646-610-8166. If you want any further information, again, it's in, uh, in honor of uh, the two police officers that were murdered in the patrol car, ambushed in, in the line of duty four years ago. It's, it's so hard to, to believe, and uh, I talked about that many times on the, uh, on the show. All right, I want to talk about some other things before my guest comes on, some things that, uh, I mean, it, it just, it, you, you talk about being politically correct. I'm asking you to boycott this movie coming out, it's called The First Man. Uh, it's about Neil Armstrong on his uh, human achievement, being the first human being uh, to land on the moon, on the surface of the moon. So the, uh, that movie is coming out, and you're not going to believe this. They're not going to show you how he implanted the American flag on the moon. Could you believe that? They were going to withhold that scene in the movie. Isn't that the whole movie? Landing on the moon and, and, and putting in the ground, if you want to call it ground, whatever we call it on the moon, or the surface of the moon, you know, the American flag. That's not in the scene. Now, how could that be? <laughs> it's just what is there. What they do is, and I think because they had no choice, he's uh, Neil Armstrong, while they're leaving the moon, He's looking at the porthole, at least that's what they call it on the ship, which I was on, a porthole, or you want to call it the window, you know, but that's what it is. Then they show you him leaving the moon, and then they show you the American flag. But that's not up front. That's when they're showing you the moon, you know, or the parts of the moon when he's leaving the moon. But they, how do they, what do they, what do, they do? Just show him jumping out of the ship? Dancing and singing. What, what do they do? Instead of reading a book, uh, isn't that the whole? Isn't that the whole idea of being the first to land on the moon, America especially, and omitting the American flag? So please, folks, I'm not going to go watch this movie. It's called The First Man. Uh, what's I, I tell you? I guess Hollywood. What else could it be? Uh, they will not show you the American flag uh, when Neil Armstrong at least they will not show you him putting the American flag uh, on the surface of the moon so please please folks uh, you know it's you know football they're, they're bending down on their knees uh, okay they have their own reasons for it, whether they, they may think they're right you know whatever whatever you know and that's sort of anti-American flag the Pledge of Allegiance the home of Gila, as they say but how do you land on the moon and don't show the most important part of history, by the way? All right. So I want to talk about a little politics, and I want to touch on the governor's race in New York City. Now, uh, Andy uh, Cuomo. And, you know, I was, people know I was a close friend of his dad, and I knew his dad. In fact, I ran for office with his dad. And when Andy was 18 years old, he said, oh, please, Mr. Tolano, when you have your literature, could you put my dad's photo with him? And I was glad to, because that's Mario Cuomo. That even helped me, although he won, I didn't win. So that's going way back, and uh, way back, and I want to give the year, when Mario Cuomo was running 
for governor, and he did win. And so, uh, Andy Cuomo's rhetoric, I have to talk about that. Amala Nero is running against him. That's the Republican candidate who's running against uh, Andy Cuomo. If you look at the commercials, uh, Andy Cuomo's commercials, he's saying, help me stop the attack by Donald Trump. Help me prevent the attack by the President of the United States, Donald Trump. And he doesn't say President of the United States because he won't give him that, uh, you know, introduction. So uh, he just talks about, uh, my question is to uh, Andy Cuomo, uh, what a great diversion. I tell you, you have good, you have good people that are uh, backing you because it takes away, it's a diversion. It takes away the focus on your achievements, which is little or none. Uh, governor, I hate to call him governor, but he is the governor. Governor, you are not running against Donald Trump unless you think you are and you're doing it now. You're looking down, you're looking four years ahead like a lot of so many. Uh, you have to watch them. So many grandstanding on the Kavanaugh hearings. Uh, grandstanding, trying to get exposure. Because they're all thinking they're going to run in four years because they think uh, Donald is an easy person to run against. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a joke because you're going to have so many Democrats tripping over each other like they are now in the local, the local race for uh, Attorney General of the State of New York how uh, they're criticizing each other. I can't wait. I, I hope a dozen or two dozen uh, Democratic candidates run in a primary for against uh, <laughs> for Donald Trump. You, you, you know, it's going to be great entertainment. I have to, I'm going to have to tell you that. And what's good about that, they're going to expose each other with all the dirt, you know. And that includes, uh, that includes uh, Andy Cuomo, by the way, if you want to talk about dirt, you know. Uh, if you recall... Uh, Brett Bahara was a, a special prosecutor for the state of New York was going to investigate corruption in Albany and you know what that resulted in I tell you and you know what it resulted in uh, and, and it resulted in the resignation of the assembly leader uh, Sheldon Silva and the Dem that's the Democratic Assembly leader. And it affected uh, uh, Dean Skelos out here, the uh, the Republican uh, senator. But who escaped from that? Well, you know who escaped from that? Donald Trump. They would call three men in the room. They would call three men in the room because they ran to the state of New York. Dean Skelos, Sheldon Silver, Andy Cuomo. So... When it got too close, I'm talking about the investigation of corruption in Albany, what did Andy Cuomo do? He disbanded this group, this special prosecutor, and fired him, Brett Bahara. Now, you imagine that? And he's going after Donald Trump. Donald Trump better not fire Mueller, who's talking about special investigations, right? or not pardon two people that allegedly were involved with Donald Trump and Russian collusion. And, yes, the two people that got in trouble, 
uh, had nothing to do with Donald Trump running for president of the United States of America. It had to do with a civil action, one of them with his attorney, uh, which was a confidential uh, agreement that people sign. It's normal. I've done it myself. My partner and I, in regard to Stasky and Hutch, it's confidentiality. I, I ran the sheriff's department. I'm so familiar with uh, agreements and confidentiality. My, I have a question there. If you breach it, you're subject to criminal action. Uh, this gal breached it, but nobody's going after her. In fact, they made her a hero or heroine. Or maybe that's what she does, heroine. You know, uh, they made her a superstar, right? A, a, a porn star became a superstar, and she's being honored. Who's honoring her? The Democrats, right? Uh, what's her name? Stormy Daniels? Okay. But anyway, but that had nothing to do with the presidential race of Donald Trump. And, and the business guy who was the first campaign manager for Donald Trump, these are allegations, yes, they bagged them on tax evasion. Yes, they did. And he's got to pay the consequences. Like we all do, we don't pay our taxes, right? You're subject to something, jail or fine or both, right? Fifteen years before he was associated with Donald Trump. Or it happened, let me put it this way, it occurred 15 years ago. So, again, nothing to do with Donald Trump. It's like, you know, a friend of yours or a close or a relative. You know, I can think of people years ago, guys I knew, uh, that was so hard to get into New York City Police Department that if you had a relative, a close relative, that was arrested, you would be scrutinized. You might not even get the job. A person, a young fellow that wanted to be a, a cop so bad, a, uh, he was turned down because his older brother was arrested and did five years in Sing Sing Prison upstate New York. Guess what? Before he was born. That's how tough it was. That's how tough it was years ago to be a New York City police officer. Anyway, so uh, what I'm saying, uh, what am I saying? I'm, I'm saying that uh, Donald Trump accused of things that no connection, you know, uh, you know, no connection to Russian collusion or, you know, or his, his election. So uh, what else? There's so many things going on here in, in the political world. You have to be aware. Now, there's so many candidates running out there, uh, especially the, I have to say the Democratic candidates, they're, they're running on a platform of anti-Donald Trump. And why are they doing that? Because, again, they have no substance. They have no record. They have no achievements. So what do they do? They, uh, you know, they change it around. And uh, with Andy Cuomo, uh, please help me to prevent Donald Trump from attacking New York. Who starts stopping from attacking New York? Hey, please, how how is he doing? How is Donald Trump attacking New York? Is it by land? Is it by sea? Is it by air? Uh, Andy Cuomo, uh, this is getting serious. You better call the National Guard. I mean, this is you know that's how that. What did I say? Is a joke? Correct. Well, there's no statement. Is a joke. That's my that's my point. All right, my guest will be coming on any minute now. When she comes on, uh, oh, I'll introduce her. I'm going to have some interesting things. Uh, she'll talk about mental, physical, uh, 
of, of beings, of human beings that believe in certain things that can probably even heal you, according to her, spending so many years in, in India. Uh, you know, I, I hate to say this, but another, another illegal immigrant uh, committed a murder again. I, you know, in Alabama, he beheaded a 13-year-old girl. You know, the, uh, there was a media blackout, and people were out there. Because we had several blackouts in New York and all around the country. But this is during a blackout in Alabama. So he grabs this 13-year-old girl, and besides raping and murdering her, uh, that's, that's bad enough, but he beheads her. He cuts off her head, you know. See, if, going back when I was a detective, uh, there, there's certain things you can profile. Beheading would be a certain type of people that do that, not just stab or shoot. You know, you can tell by a homicide. Usually, you can get a little uh, background on the suspect by the way he murdered someone. They they strangle him, uh, they knife them. You know, usually in in my time, if a, a, a white American Italian was found out somewhere in the car or something, one bullet in the back of the head. Usually, you know damn well it's a mafia. You know, so th- things like that that you utilize. So today we can't profile, you know. If I, I if I would respond to a homicide like that and I says, well, it's probably an Italian American that killed him who belongs to the mafia. Can I say that today? Can someone say that today? Can I say, well, the guy's throat was cut. Oh, that's usually an Hispanic. Because Polish people don't kill people like that. And Irish people don't kill people like that. That's true. You know, that's true. It's a tool that you use. Anyway, my point is, is another illegal immigrant. Uh, there's about 40% of illegal immigrants in our prisons throughout the country. Uh, the sad part is is that uh, we're paying for them. And then people want to get rid of ICE, usually the Democrats. You know what ICE is? Uh, these are the people that are grabbing illegal criminal, oh, my God, immigrants. Yeah, they stop them at the border. And, and, you know, and they do check them out and they hold them. Disposition is up to the courts, you know, and you've got some groups that want to get rid of ICE. You want to get rid of ICE because they're doing their job. You know, it was the federal marshals, by the way. It's the feds that caught this guy, you know. So then I'll tell you what, then let's cut out uh, every, every sheriff's department in, in the country, uh, because they're locking up, uh, too many people of a certain discrimination, uh, uh, race or creed. So we got to stop that, you know. Let's uh, let's let's eliminate that police department, you know. Let's do that, you know. So this is, you know, I, I don't know what the heck it is, you know. What's happening here is that you find Democrats are so desperate, especially since Donald Trump won. You know, I have to say, I'm. On, by the way, I got a, a tech message that somebody said accused me. Well, it was it's an accusation, because I disagreed with him. He says, well, that's typical from a Republican conservative. And I did respond to him, and he says, uh, "You are, he called me presumptuous. And I says, wow, talk about presumption. Wasn't he presumption, presumptuous to say I, he knew that I was a conservative, a Republican? I am not a registered Republican, folks, and I'm not a registered uh, conservative. I'm a registered independent, you know, because uh, I did, by the way, for half a century, uh, was a registered Democrat. And I, uh, the Democratic Party was, was hijacked. 
you know, it was, it was hijacked by the ultra-liberal left. And now if you look, socialist, and socialism is being part of this Democratic Party. I couldn't stay there. And many of us who are, you know, who are in the Democratic Party, because the Democratic Party, we thought it was the People's Party. But not today, folks. I'll tell you that. So, yeah, I do mostly, I do vote Republican, and I do vote conservative, because it, it, it lines up with, you know, with how I feel about certain issues, you know. Uh, in the state election, I'm going to vote for Tom DiNapoli. He was running for state controller. He's a diehard Democrat, but he's a mensch, as they say in Sicilian. He is a guy that doesn't look at people politically I'm talking about as a Democrat or Republican. He does what he feels was right, and that's the way I vote, and that's the way you should vote. Whoever you feel is right for you, your family, your country, that's the person that you should vote for. And that's why Donald Trump won, folks, you know. He knocked the hell out of all these top-notch Republicans, you know, who, uh, who, who have name recognition, who had statue politically and had lots of money. He beat the hell out of them, not saying what he did against the uh, Democratic candidate, uh, Hillary. So, but anyway, I'm waiting for my, my guest to call in, and uh, that's my, my little spiel for now. And again, the uh, primary is coming up, so make sure you, you know you uh, support the right people. That again, that's best for you, your family, and of course our country. Now football is back again. I have to tell you this. I think uh, if if the NFL has a ruling in, you cannot bend when the Pledge of Allegiance uh, or the one you know at the at the games uh, is red. I think they're going to get a fine. I hope I hope that's true. But if it isn't, uh, I'm pretty much uh, I, you know, I, I, like I said last week, I, I'm definitely not uh, going to watch any of these football games if I if I see that happen. I hope it, it doesn't happen. You know, it's like dissing the flag uh, on the moon. I mean, it's just, it's dissing the flag and and. Uh, I, I guess in, in in the football stadium. I mean, it just it's just uh, it's a very sad situation. Okay, my guest should be calling in any minute, and uh, if she's late, if you want to call in, she may not call in. She, by the way, she's calling from from uh, Denver, Colorado. Otherwise, she wanted to come to the station. If you want to call in, if you can, just in case my guests don't show up. The phone number is uh, 516-623-1240. Uh, if you want to make a statement or whatever, or ask a question, I could I could answer questions, folks, by the way. Uh, 516-623-1240. All right. Again, I just want to remind you about this event for detectives, because that's what they were promoting. I hate to say that. They were promoted when they lost their lives. It's September the uh, next Saturday, September the 15th. Phone number 646-610-8166. Uh, all right, so, uh, and uh, again, that's going to be at the 79th Precinct at uh, 10 a.m. That's uh, Marcy and Nostrand Avenue. Oh, okay, so, uh, 
All right, so I, I do have a caller. Do I have a caller? Yes, oh. you do. Okay, go ahead. Uh, your name and rank and serial number. <laughs> Can't give you all that information. Somebody may be listening. Oh, okay. I, I just want to ask you, Lou, this is Rich. Yes. What's your opinion of President Obama talking against the current president? And do you ever recall any like that in your lifetime or in history? Well, we don't recall that. It's just, this is the first time in history, I think, that, uh, you know, even if a, a president disliked the former president, although I have to say, Donald Trump is doing the same thing. You know that, Rich. He's also, he's, he's criticizing the former president, but he's not criticizing, nobody criticized the present president. That's your point, I would, yeah, right? Right. Yes, the present president, no. From a former president, the other way around, yes. Uh, because presidents will say, well, I did this with the other, the other guy I didn't do. You know, so that, uh, you can probably get away with that. You know, but, uh, no, it wasn't good, but you know what it is? He's out there campaigning. He's campaigning, uh, for the Democratic Party. You know? Right. Pretty much. And, and that's, and, uh, uh, that's what he's doing. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Rich. I hope I answered your question. Okay. I don't know if my guest is on yet. She did not call yet. Okay. Again, so, uh, try, uh, anybody else want to call 516-623-1240? Make a statement. Ask me a, a question, but uh, I guess my you know you know what happened. Uh, by the way, you know Paul McCarthy had a special uh, uh, concert last night, and I think she went there. I want to talk about that with her, and uh, she uh, she was involved with the the Beatles with uh, Maharashi, and uh, you know. Do I think I have another caller? I do. Okay. Uh, when you say, all right, my guest is on the line? Hello? Oh, sorry. Oh, Shirley, go ahead, Shirley. Question or statement? Uh, just a comment. Comment. On the caller that was just on previously? Ye yes. Regarding, uh, comments about Obama talking against, uh, Trump. He forgot that Trump, as Obama was a sitting president, he criticized him and said that he was not a citizen, and he was not born in America, and Obama was a sitting president. I see what you're saying. So uh, you have a good point. So it, uh, he was a sitting president, but uh, Donald Trump was not the president, I think, when he said that. Is that correct? No, Donald Trump wasn't the president, but President Obama was. Correct. So uh, uh, Obama is not the president now, but Trump is. Correct. So, oh no no, I got it, I got it. You got it. Yes, yeah, so you, no, you're you're correct. You, you know, to to a degree, but you see, Donald Trump uh, is the president now, and he's all right. They're both doing it. Let's put it that way, pretty much, right, mm -hmm. Shirley? Right. Uh, okay, it doesn't make them wrong. It doesn't make them right. I think I'm, I'm being a politician now. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you for calling, Shirley. No problem. Right. Okay, I guess he's trying to get through the lines. Just. Uh, I don't know what's going on. I like. I, I don't want to miss her because, uh, you know, she's an important guest. Six, two, three. Every, I'm talking to myself, you know, and the number that she's supposed to call in. And uh, and anyway, so uh, yeah, she's trying to get through the line. She's she's trying to call me. I don't know. So I'm going to take calls. Five one six. You know. No, uh, oh, not yet. Okay. I'm hanging in there. Yeah, this is ridiculous. Be doing this on the phone to you guys. But if you want to, if you want to call in, you know, 
So uh, is our is our line working, uh, my Mr. Eng- Mr. Engineer? It's it's working. You know, so uh, we might have some technical problems. My guest. Okay, finally, you know, it's not. I just want to introduce my guest, who's on the line. I want to talk to before I introduce you to her. I have to tell you about her. Okay, now, great lady, and uh, and first of all, I want to tell you what she's done. She's uh, she has a great book. It's called uh, Maharashi and Me. And the Maharashi, by the way, was considered the most uh, uh, spiritual leader of our 20th century. And some of his students were the Beatles, by the way. And, uh, and okay, she's an author of uh, over a dozen best-selling books. And her, her new book is about her and her experiences, the Maharashi and me. She was, like I said, she was a student and a teacher under the guidance of the most famous guru of our 20th century, spending 22 years in India, which the Beatles uh, utilized him as well. And I want to—it's a pleasure to, int- to introduce her and welcome her to Streetwise, Dr. Susan Shumsky. Welcome to the show. Oh, I'm really happy to be here with you today, Lou. Okay, did you make did you make that uh, surprise uh, a concert by uh, Paul McCartney last night at Grand Central? Did you fly in from Colorado? <laughs> did he do a surprise concert? That's awesome. Yes, he's, I didn't know about it. Oh, it's a big one. Yes, he just uh, Grand wow. Central Station. I thought you might have known about it because you know him and you are doing two things, Simon. Seriously, I should say, uh, your, your new book is coming out, and he has a new yeah. album called Egypt. So I thought there might be a connection in the Maharashi and me, which is your book, and his new album, uh, Egypt. Is there a connection? There's only the connection in that he studied with Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, as did all the Beatles, in 1968, which was 50 years ago. Yes. And so this is the 50th anniversary of, of their visit to India, and also the 50th anniversary of the White Album, which is going to be re-released in November. Oh. A new remix, yeah. <clears throat> new re- remix and re-release will be coming out in November. Wow. So that was great. You know, when I saw that last night, it was like a surprise attack. Uh, again, like you didn't know about it, and I know... Uh, you and uh, you, you and uh, the Beatles are very. I don't think Ringo attended. Am I, is that correct or not? Every Beatle except Ringo. Do you know? I don't think he did. The thing yes. is, he's been. Paul has been hinting about this concert, this surprise concert. Yes, he did hint about it. He talked about it on his website. It's been in the news, but nobody has known, you know, where it was. And there was some kind of contest, I believe, where mm. you could enter and find out about the concert. So, yeah, it, wow. he has been talking about it, but that's a great way for him to promote his new album. Oh, absolutely. And it's a great, great album, by the way. I listened to it, and I listened to his notes that he made about every song. He went through every song on his website wow. and uh, talked about every single song. It's an awesome album. It's kind of, it was inspired by Sgt. Pepper, he said, mm. but it's like a, it's like a, a stripped down Sgt. Pepper, really very unproduced. It's, you know, like acoustic guitar, and there's just not a whole lot of background uh, information in there. Whereas Sgt. Pepper was like highly produced with a lot of 
music in the background and and um, all kinds of things. But he did mm. he did put some interesting things in the in the album that kind of remind you of Sgt. Pepper, actually. Well, it also reminds me of your day because uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to quote you: "You are a hippie from the '60s, correct?" Calling you. I sure am. Yeah. Yes. Sure, sure, right. And his music actually ties into that era, you know, their music, I should say, the Beatles. But all the, you know, people don't realize, you know, I'm glad like someone like you was enlightening us by their music. They always have great meaning to it. And some of it is spiritual like you do. You know? like, right. Their music was highly spiritual because they were like me. You know, they were hippies. They were flower children. Yes. They were in the same generation. <laughs> and those of us who were flower children, we were seeking spiritual awakening. We were Correct. seeking spiritual enlightenment. And our first gurus were Timothy Leary and Richard Alpert, who later became Ram Dass. And they told mm. us to tear, turn on, tune in, and drop out. They told us that that uh, this materialistic world was not where it's at, that really there was a higher plane, there was a spiritual plane, and that we could reach nirvana. So that's what we were seeking. That's what the Beatles were seeking. And we were trying to do it through drugs, and so were the Beatles who were taking LSD. I was just going to say that. But they didn't, they didn't get there through drugs, but they did write a lot of songs about their experiences with drugs. Yes. And then when, then after they learned Transcendental Meditation from Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, then they began to write songs about meditation. So they, they wrote a lot of songs about meditation. Yeah, yeah. I was going to mention Timothy Leary. I was going to say his spiritual, I guess, uh, I was going to say as a result of LSD during that time, that era, you know, he, he promoted LSD. So uh, He sure did. He, yes, he, he did. But the Beatles didn't promote LSD, and I don't think you do or did, you know. No, I don't I, know, but I... I, don't, I, I don't promote LSD. In fact, I don't promote any kind of drugs. I, I don't believe Great. that blood, drugs are good for you. In fact, they... They're very bad for you. Uh, uh, but the Beatles, yeah, they were really into LSD. They took it a lot, oh and they wrote about it a lot. Oh, my dear God. Yeah, you know, some people, they say uh, a lot of uh, talent comes from people when they're intoxicated, well, if it's drugs or alcohol. <laughs> you know, that means, uh, you know, they, they say, so, which I know from experience, there are a lot of entertainers can't go on the stage unless they have a drink or two or maybe smoke a joint, you know, and, and, yeah. and that helps them. I, I guess so. I don't know. That would make me sort of uh, go gaga, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. Dennis uh, Joplin was one example of that. Uh, you know, I, I, he was definitely an alcoholic. Do yeah. You, do you know? Uh, I didn't care for Janis Janis Joplin at the time. I appreciate oh. I appreciate the music. I have to say this probably fifteen or twenty years later. You know that. I think so, because maybe being old-fashioned and conservative, I think, I think I was, you know. And uh, to me, it was like a, a drug addict, uh, with all due respect to you, hippie, a hippie, you know, because, uh, right. you know, and, and those were, to us, they were anti hippies were anti-country, anti-war, anti-things like that, or anti, you know, flower, right. flower children, like you said. So that's probably the reason. But later on, I start to listen and appreciate She's, it's, and it's also, she just was a sad story with her. And I, yes, I, I'm, very sad. I, and I started to feel sorry for her years later. Yeah. But we've got to talk about you and your book, The Maharishi, the Maharishi Rashi, sorry, and you. What is your story with the Maharishi, who was pretty much the famous, uh, I guess you say, can you say, you say Hindu or just guru of the 20th century? 
Well, he was the most famous guru of the 20th century, and he was a Hindu. Yes. And when when Maharishi first arrived on the shores of America in 1959, there was no meditation, there was no mm. mantra, there was no yoga. None of these things were existed in the West. People didn't even know what these words were. Within 10 years, with a little help from his friends, the Beatles, I might add, That's... <laughs> uh, he, he, made, he made these into household words. Mm. And uh, so, actually, six million people learned his meditation technique, which is transcendental meditation. Transcendental meditation is not a generic term. It is a registered trademark of an actual method that Maharishi taught and that is still being taught. Right. So he trained 40,000 teachers, and like I said, six million people learned to meditate through his his method, his organization. Mm. Now, you uh, you say, uh, well, through meditation, you can have contact with uh, people out of the universe. Is that am I correct? Or spirits? If you meditate, if you really meditate or do it properly, is that correct? Am I quoting you? Yeah, if you meditate and if you learn how to do it properly, you can have a connection, connection. with your own higher self. You can have a connection with uh, the spiritual world. You can have a connection mm. with divine beings. Yes, you can have all of that when you meditate. Okay, but you have to do that. Not everyone can do that unless, don't you have to be, how do I say, it's, it's just like an old cliche or maybe corny, a believer, pretty much? No, actually, uh, all you have to do is just practice really? oh. a, for, a form of meditation. You don't really have to believe in it. Mm. If you're willing to try it, you can get results, yes, as long as you practice. It's just like learning anything in life. For example, you don't have to believe in the piano in order to learn how to play the piano. You True. just learn how to do it from somebody who teaches you how to play the piano. Mm. Now, it takes time to learn, though. It isn't like you're going to sit down on the piano and be a concert pianist in, in one hour. Mm. You have to actually practice, practice, practice. You get better at it. So just like any other skill in life, meditation is a skill that you can learn if you practice. So it takes time to learn, takes time to practice, but you can do it. Yeah, yes. anybody can do it. So it would be a, be a technique. Pretty it's much. a technique, so yeah. It's a technique. Uh, that you, we have to yeah. learn that so anyone can do it. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when you talk about you can reach your inner self or someone else, who, who, would, who would that mean exactly? Uh, would that mean people in the past that you've known or people from a, a different, uh, I guess, different world or people that are gone for many years? Would that... Well, it's, it's possible to connect with your uh, departed loved ones, for example. Yeah, that's right. possible. Mm. But I think it's the most worthwhile thing is to connect with your own higher self or connect with divine beings, with, for example, an angel, archangel, or God of your understanding, you know, mm. whatever you believe in. But I would say that connecting with your higher self is the most important thing, connecting with your own true nature. Right now, what is so? Where does that? Where does yoga connect with this? How does this? Be, this did, all of this? Uh, oh, it's obviously been. It's probably been around for many, many years. But yoga, it hasn't been. So, is this connected to yoga? In other words, you have to uh, learn yoga first before you can get into this meditation. Is that that's the way it works? 
Okay, well, let's define what the word yoga means. Right. Yoga is a, is a Sanskrit word. It comes from a root, which is yuj, which means to unite or to yoke. Mm-hmm. So what are you yoking? What are you, 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 what are you uniting? You are not uniting your nose with your knee or your forehead with mm. your floor, with the floor. That's not what yoga is. Yoga is uniting individual spirit with universal spirit. So yoga is not an exercise that you do in a gym. It is a state of awareness or consciousness. It's a higher state of consciousness where you are in union with your true inner nature. Wow. So that's exactly what you and the Beatles uh, spend your time with the Maharashi because it was the Maharashi yoga. Is that correct? Maharishi was Maharishi the teacher of, he yes. was a teacher of transcendental meditation. Mm. And meditation is a very effective way to achieve a higher state of awareness or higher state of consciousness. And that's exactly what yoga is. Yoga means attaining a higher state of consciousness. It doesn't mean getting into a pretzel position uh, on a mat in good. a gym. That's what that's what could confuse some of the listeners because when I send that out and promoted it, that's what they thought. They thought it was some sort of a, a physical exercise as well, or just physical. So I'm glad you I'm glad you explained that. There now, there are many methods of yoga and paths of yoga, mm-hmm. and people think now that that quote unquote yoga has become the latest greatest hot thing. Mm. Everybody thinks that you go to a gym. And you get into certain positions, and you <laughs> you work out, and you stretch. Wow. You know that's what people think yoga is, but it has nothing to do. Well, I shouldn't say it has nothing to do with yoga because these these methods, these postures, right. are a part of some a small part of some mm. yogic practices. Let's put it that way. Okay, my guest is Dr. Susan Shumsky, and uh, her, her latest book, by the way, is Maharashi and Me. Okay. Now, is this you're telling your your life story? When I say life story, your experiences uh, being a a student and down the road as a teacher with the Maharishi, correct? Yes, the book Maharishi and Me yes. is about my experiences of living with Maharishi, being mm-hmm. on his staff. <clears throat> Not only is it about my experiences, but also the experiences of the Beatles yeah. and other famous celebrities. Mm. They do, you know. It's, it's something. A lot of, uh, I guess I'll use the word famous, like you did. Celebrities uh, reach out for certain things like this. Uh, you, you know, I'm, I'm glad you. you uh, how did you explain? It? I watched one of your shows, and I think uh, it's. You said it's uh, some people not to get confused with fortune telling. That I'm going to quoting you, you know, uh, and, and people do. They say, well, you know, it's. Uh, it's like somebody asks a question, all of a sudden you see a spirit. So um, for the audience, uh, for, for the awareness again uh, of the audience, can you, can you dissect Maharishi, uh, you know, the technique, I guess, that, as we said a moment ago? What does someone have to do? Oh, you mean the technique of transcendental meditation that Maharishi was teaching? Yes, I'm, you, I'm glad you said that uh, before I did. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, Transcendental Meditation is a really simple meditation technique that anyone can do. Mm. I do recommend people do it because I think it's really easy for people 
to have good experiences with it. I had nothing but fantastic experiences mm. when I practiced it. I practiced it for about 22 years. I know. And it was awesome for me. It changed my life dramatically. And it's really, really good for people. Uh, it's a very simple method of just sitting down in a chair, closing your eyes, and using what's called a mantra. And a mantra is a sound that you're given by your teacher, Transcendental Meditation teacher. And you just repeat this sound quietly without effort, just letting it go, kind of. And it takes you into a really deep state of inner peace and deep relaxation. And the Beatles had fantastic experiences with it. They really enjoyed it when they were practicing it. Mm. And a lot of celebrities, like I said, are attracted to it because it's easy to do and it really changes people in a profound way. Okay. Some people call it a miracle prayer or maybe, uh, and they say it's some of the times it could be instant healing. Uh, can you, can you, can you discuss that? Can you mention that? What does that actually mean? Uh, yeah, I have, uh, I have many books in print. There's 14 yes, of them. I know. One of my books oh. is called Miracle Prayer and another one is called Instant Healing. And those two books are kind of similar in a way. Miracle Prayer teaches a nine-step method of prayer that really gets results. It's, it's a method of, uh, of prayer that isn't, it isn't like people normally pray and that they're kind of begging God and that type of thing. It's more doing affirmations, speaking affirmations, speaking the truth, uh, and instant healing is a book that has 243 of these affirmative prayers mm. or affirmations that help people to change their lives in powerful ways. In the appendix of that book, there uh, it, it uh, lists all the different things that you might need help with, whether it's love, whether it's money, whether it's health, whatever the different areas of life that you're concerned about. And then you just um, choose one of the affirmations from the appendix, and then you just go to the page, and you speak it uh, in a powerful voice. You just speak it with, with conviction, and it immediately puts you into a really changes your mood immediately, and it immediately starts to get results. That's the reason why I call it instant well, it's, uh, healing. Now, now, speaking of healing, I think you have a book exploring Chakras, am I pronouncing that correct? Exploring chakras is another uh, type of uh, technique that you that you use. Chakras. Uh, yes, I, yes. I wrote it, two books. One is called Exploring Chakras, and then the later Wait. edition of it is called The Power, the Power. of Chakras. Yes. And by the way, you're pronouncing it exactly correctly. Thank That's you. how it's pronounced. The Power of Chakras. So that book it teaches you about your subtle energy system and the subtle energy field and the life force energy that flows through your subtle energy field, which is called prana in India. Mm. In China, it's called chi, and in Japan, it's called ki. And that life force energy is really what's keeping you alive. Your physical body is only running and keeping you alive because of your subtle body where this life force energy is flowing through it. So that book, which is kind of a very esoteric book, but very enlightening book, is about that subtle energy system and the chakras, which are centers of subtle energy that are in your, your subtle body. Now, can chakras heal? Uh, 
how do I phrase the question? But can chakras, chakras heal certain things? No, it's, it's not it's, a crazy question uh, I, at what's all. true. I, I true. Okay. <laughs> and, and I'm asking them. I'm not even on their list. Thing. And the, uh, the, uh, uh, can it, can it, can it, can it help, uh, people that have cancer? Well, that's, uh, that's I know again. I would, I would never claim that anything cures uh, I, I cancer. I know, but having your experience, yeah. do you know if it has someone that had sort of a, a disease that like cancer that in most cases it's not curable, you know. So, with with well, with, 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 with say, your chakras, with chakras, that. somebody that's you know there were people when they know they they, they have a, they're afflicted with something and they and some people run all over the world looking for cures. Would something like chakras sort of maybe help them, you know? Okay. So chakras are simply your subtle energy system and and the centers in your subtle energy body. If you have a disease, then there is something in your subtle body that is a miss, definitely, because it shows up in the subtle body before it shows up in your physical body. So, yes, your subtle is by working with your subtle body through doing affirmation, through doing healing, by maybe even going to a subtle energy healer who can uh, help to augment the energy in your subtle energy body. Uh, yes, there can be healing that does take place of some minor diseases and some mm. mental diseases and some yeah. psychosomatic diseases. Mm. Many diseases can be uh, reversed through certain subtle uh practices such as meditation, such as affirmation, such as prayer, such as subtle energy healing. Well, now, you know, so is this yoga pretty much going to help you physically, psychologically, emotionally, spiritual, spiritually, I could just, I should say, and uh, uh, which people look for, you know, so, uh, uh, yes, yes. And but uh, yeah, yeah, but like, like you, but they don't have to go to India, you know. For, but but that's why <laughs> that's why you you have a, fourteen books, so they could just buy one of your books, <laughs> you know. Exactly. I mean, my books actually, um, people can learn so many practices through my books. I know. Uh, hmm. I, my books are all very very practical, and they teach methods of. Uh, Spiritual awakening, spiritual practices, meditation, mm. prayer, intuition, healing. So many practices are there. It'll teach you how to read auras. I have a book about auras. I mean, you can learn just about any spiritual practice wow. through my books. Wow. And then if you just want to be entertained, you could read Maharishi and Me, Seeking Enlightenment with the Beatles Guru, and right. find out. Actually, it's not just entertaining, though. It's also really very profound and meaningful because it's mm. about my personal spiritual experiences. It's about what it's like to be with a guru from India, what that's yeah. really like. Because people have a very romantic idea of what that's like, and it's, there's nothing romantic about it. Mm. And also, it's about all these celebrities, which is very entertaining. So, it's a, it's a good book. Were you there with any uh, entertainers that we can mention? Well, yeah, I mean, I knew Donovan, I knew Mike Love, John Gray, Deepak Chopra, I mean, a mm. lot of uh, Andy Andy Kaufman, Doug Henning, mm. uh, a lot of the famous celebrities would show up when I was working with Maharishi in, in Europe. I worked for him uh, for seven years. 
on his personal staff in Europe, mostly in Switzerland and other places in Europe. Right. Hmm. I don't know how. I guess you've 22 years and from India to Europe, uh, I guess I have to call you an expert. Now, the the, uh, the Maharishi, Maharishi, um, is there anyone, did anyone like, I, I, I know he's, he's gone since I could think 2008, and he did make it to 90 years old, but uh, is there anyone that uh, has replaced him or somebody could uh, fit into his uh, sandals, I guess? Can, uh, <laughs> you know? Well, you so, know, India is replete with great spiritual masters. That's really a fact. Um, I've often gone to this big celebration called the Kumbha Mela in India. I've been there several times. It's a big celebration that happens every 12 years yeah. in India. And you can meet a lot of really amazing beings at that, at that fair. It's a fair in India that takes place in four different places. And I've met a lot of great spiritual masters. Mm. None of them have been like Maharishi, though, because Maharishi, he really... He really popularized meditation in the West. He made it a household word, you know. And, well, I'd say maybe the Dalai Lama would be somebody that might be yeah. similar to Maharishi because the, the Dalai Lama also travels all over the world spreading spiritual awakening, spiritual enlightenment. Mm. Exactly. And Maharaj is still around, isn't he? Or did he pass away recently? The Maharaj. Dalai Lama, I the, believe, the, is still around. Still yeah. Around, yeah. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Okay, that's also India. Am I correct? Or is that uh, no, Tibet? No, yes. That Tibet? Okay, he, he was born in Tibet. Tibet. But then he, in, 1950, in 1959, he had to flee from Tibet because mm. the Chinese communists came to into Tibet and killed all the monks and nuns that's right. and destroyed all their temples. It was it was a very it was a bloodbath. Uh. And so the Dalai Lama had to escape in order to maintain uh, his. You know, he had to be the spiritual leader of Tibet, but he yeah. couldn't stay there or they would have killed him. Amazing. So he fled to India, and he and he lives in uh, Dharamsala in India, North India. Wow. So uh, this, this event that you're talking about, I understand millions of people attended, attend that right. festival. Right, millions of people attend the, the Kumbh Mela. Yes, that's right. From all over the world, yeah. And, uh, yeah, well, it's mostly people from India, but, for example, it, um the big event that happens every 12 years in Allahabad, India, there are approximately 100 million oh, people boy. that attend, 100 million, but that's over a six-week period, mm. uh, and what they do is they build this big tent city, and all the spiritual organizations and spiritual masters of India, uh, they, they have a tent, and you can go and hang out with them, and... You know, it's interesting because the Beatles wanted to go to the Kumbh Mela uh, when they were in India, but Maharishi didn't want them to go unless they were going to ride in on elephants. Oh, my God. And uh, so George Harrison said to Maharishi, you know, being a Beatle is like always being up on an elephant. I don't want to be on an elephant. I just want to hang out there and hang out with the spiritual masters. Mm. But they never ended up going there because they left before the Kumbh Mela. Happened. Did you know any of, say, Paul McCartney, who you talk about, or I think I spoke about, did you know any of them, like, personally, as being involved with the Maharishi, the Beatles? Any of the, did you work of the with Beatles, them? personally? Yeah. yeah. No, I did not know the Beatles personally. Oh, okay. Because I used to, I, although, yeah. Although, um, I learned meditation, uh, transcendental meditation, 
in early August 1967. Mm. The Beatles met Maharishi in late August 1967. Yeah. So our lives were parallel in that way. And then I, be, I had such amazing experiences with meditation that I immediately wanted to travel to India and study with Maharishi in the ashram in Rishikesh. So I kept applying to the course. I applied to many courses, including the ones that the Beatles went to, but I kept getting rejected because they said I was too young. They would not allow people <laughs> of my age to go. I was 19 years old when I started applying, and you had to be 24, 25, and you had to have finished college. So, yeah, I applied to the Beatles course. I didn't know the Beatles would be there, but I applied to that course, but wow. I was not accepted on that course. Finally, I was accepted to go to India, though, and I did go to the course that began in January of 1970. So that was two years after the Beatles went. And, yes, I stayed in the same ashram, and, yes, I was mm. with Maharishi for six months at that time in the ashram in India. Wow. Can you, uh, only a couple minutes left. Can you tell the audience what kind of a person that he was, Maharishi? Aside from being spiritual well, and a teacher? I mean, what was he as a well, human being? Well, you know, he was a very unusual person. Uh, he was incredibly charismatic to the point of mm -hmm. being hypnotic. Whoa. When you were in his presence, you felt like you were experiencing waves of bliss and waves of love. It was like he was radiating these rays, it was radiating this energy that was so powerful and so blissful. You just felt like you were being loved in a way that you've never been loved in your life. Mm. And so being with him was uh, extremely, uh, amazing. shall we say, amazing. Yeah, amazing is a good word. And amazing experience. And it makes unusual experience. And it makes you feel spiritual. I can't believe we ran out of time. Yes. Dr. Susan Schmustoff. Chomsky. All right. The, the book is Maharishi and Me. you gotta, uh, you got to buy this book, folks. Thank you, Dr. Susan Chomsky, and I hope we can bring it back again. Well, thank you. I really enjoyed being on your show, and I'd love to come back. Oh, thank you. This is uh, Lou Talano. Thanks for listening to Streetwise, and I'll catch you later. been listening to Streetwise on the station that serves your community, WGBB AM 1240 and W240DF-FM 95.9. The views expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.